Romans 8. Hey, don't you love the lyrics of, of that song we just sang, uh, especially that, that chorus? I won't forget, I won't lose sight of the love that caused you to die. And it was by his death he gave me life. And I won't forget of how you overcame my darkness with your life. Because every one of us, that was us, in darkness, far from the covenant of promise, in, in darkness, no light within us at all. But one day by a miracle of regeneration, light shone into darkness and we were made alive. What, what, a, what a great lyric that is. I thank the Lord for that song. And t- today, we're, we're going to read Romans 8, verse 28 through 31, and we're going to take our thoughts and we're going to bring it to the Lord's table this morning. But, but let's read Romans 8, verse 28 through 31. I'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Aren't you thankful for that? Man, we we can find peace and rest in the midst of all things because we know regardless of what it is, He's going to work it for good. That's That's hard to understand sometimes, isn't it? Lord, how can you work this to good? But He will work it together for good, for His glory and for our good. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. Whom He called, these He also justified. And whom He justified, these He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Let us pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for such a great salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I pray, Father, that that now as we consider the communion table, Lord, the Lord's Supper, that you would remind us again of such a great salvation. Remind us again of of such a precious gift that you gave in your only begotten Son. Remind us again of the, the awesome sacrifice that Jesus made that we might have life. Remind us again, Lord, that that we might honor you and the precious gift, that we might honor Christ as as he has gone to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, to pay the price that we could not pay. So, Father, help us now to be still before you. Open our eyes that we might see. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's been a few Sundays ago now that that we looked at and we talked about the called. Those who are the called according to his purpose and whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Well, today, Communion Sunday, we're, we're going to look at the justified, the justified. These he also 
justified. Well, well, who are the justified? Well, we know that they are also those who have been called by God with a holy divine calling, called out of our spiritual death to a newness of life, and, and, and we likened it to when Jesus stood before Lazarus' tomb and called him out of death. That, that is a type of illustration of what the Lord God does for us when he calls us out of our dead spiritual condition to life. We know that whom he called, these he also justified. Justified. Uh, to be in a right standing, a right relationship with God. Well, the question might come up. Well, how, how are we justified? How, how does this happen? Is it by our own will? Is it by our own works? Is it by keeping the law? The Ten Commandments? No. No, it is the Lord who justifies. And if we look in Acts 13, verses 38 and 39. Now, if, if you haven't read in Acts for a while, you might want to uh, later read through Acts 13. This is when Paul and Barnabas has gone to Antioch, and he goes to the synagogue, and he stands up, and, man, he gives this glorious discourse of history. And, and this is a part of that in Acts 13. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, and who's this man he's talking of? Jesus that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him and by Jesus Christ, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. By him, by Jesus Christ, everyone who believes is justified. Well, then the question might be, believes what? Believes what? Well, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came to be the once and for all time sacrifice for sin. To believe that Jesus came, as we've been singing about this morning, to go to the cross, to shed his precious blood, to be the payment that we might be ransomed, that we might have forgiveness of sin. If we go to Romans 3, because we're justified not through law-keeping, but by grace through faith, believing the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's believing what? In Romans 3, let's begin in verse 19. Let's read through 26 this morning. Now we know. (laughs) I'm just going to pause there for a minute. How many times has Paul said a beginning such as this? Y'all began this morning in Romans 8, 28, and we know. See, I'm a, I, all I'm here is to remind you of what you already know as you have read the Word of God. And here Paul says, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And we've talked of this many times throughout the years. It it is by, you know, Paul said, how would I have known covetousness unless the law had told me, you know, thou shalt not covet. Uh, It it is there to show a sin, that sin might be made manifest, if I could say it 
that way, that it would become alive as we would see uh, the commandments. Verse uh, 21, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Oh, how how was it revealed? Well, through Jesus Christ, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. You see, it's the law and the prophets. It's the whole of the Old Testament that bears witness of Jesus Christ and of Him, and of him coming. Apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ whom God set forth. Do you get that? Just that phrase there. Whom God set forth His only begotten Son, and He set Him forth into the world that He created to go to the cross. Whom God set forth as a propitiation, a a, a payment, by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. <laughs> Aren't you thankful that God is patient and long-suffering? Aren't you thankful to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus you see, the Lord is, is righteous and holy and just and is the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. The Lord calls. The Lord justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now, some may say, well, then it's, it's, it's my faith. I do that. I have faith. Well, <laughs> yeah. You, you have faith, yeah, we all who are born again have faith, but realize this, that that, that that faith did not originate from us, that even that faith is a gift from God. We, we read it so often, a divine gift from God, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, you know it. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. God calls us. He justifies us. He gives us the very faith by which we may believe it is all Him. Well, what is the means by which He justifies us? The the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. We just read in Romans 3, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood. Now, let's go to Romans 5, verses 8 and 9. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Put yourself in the verse. Apply that to you, child of God. Much more then having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Saved. Saved from wrath. All who 
by faith believe in Jesus, his atoning death upon the cross, the sacrificial, sacrificial blood of Christ, and his glorious resurrection are justified before God. Not of anything that we have done, not of works, not of any goodness in us, but all by his grace and by his mercy. Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 13. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And that was every one of us, far from God. But now... <laughs> Aren't you thankful for that? just that little couple words? But now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near how? by the blood of Christ. You see, through the work of the cross. Let's go to Colossians 1, 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. <laughs> how you overcame my darkness with your light, you see. He has de delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now drop down to uh, 19 through 22. For it pleased the Father that in Him, that in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, for it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell all the fullness of God, all the full, the deity of Christ. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him were the things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, a peace relationship with God, justified, standing just before God. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, and that was all of us, Yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, and there's that phrase I love, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. We have been reconciled to God because of the death of Christ upon the cross, holy and completely justified. This is our position now, child of God, born-again believer, this is our position before God. This is our identity. It is through the cross and Christ crucified that we might be justified, made right before God the Father. And this justification is an irrevocable act of God. What shall separate us from God? We're going to get to that <laughs> in the next few weeks. We're going to get to it, I promise. But isn't that a glorious thought? For all who are justified, it's an irrevocable act of God. We didn't earn it. Nothing we could do to gain it. And because we're being kept by the power of God, I'm so thankful, so thankful that it's all Him, that it's all Him, final and complete in Christ, in Christ. You know, as I think about that, and so often I talk about two categories and how that people are always in two categories. You're either a believer or an unbeliever. And you're either lost or you're saved. 
Well, how about this category? Everyone on the face of this planet is in one of these two categories. A, a person is either justified before God or they are condemned before God. It's one of the two. It's one of the two. And then the question may come, well, how do I know that I'm justified? If someone would ask me that, I, I think I would come back with that question I ask so often that, that well, what do you believe? By faith granted from God the Father, do you believe that you're a sinner? Believe that Jesus came to die in your place to pay your penalty? Do you believe that he rose from the dead the third day? Do you believe? And has this belief been revealed to you by God's call upon your life? Because as we say quite often, even the demons believe and tremble because they know the truth. But it's not a truth unto salvation. That comes by a call of God upon your life. See, we, we read earlier in, in Acts 13, all who believe are justified. And then there's a the question, you know, when I, I said, well, how can I know that I'm justified? Well, do you believe? In Romans 10, verses 9 through 13, let's read it once again. You should have this memorized by heart. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and we call upon him in response to him calling us. We love him because he first loved us. So we can call upon him because he has placed his call upon us. That, I hope that that makes sense in, in me even saying that. And you shall be saved, saved from wrath, saved from sin, saved from condemnation. Let's read again John 3, verses 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but, but that, that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Oh, what a, what a great love toward us. You know, we, sing it this, we sang it this morning. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the love that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. At Calvary. Now understand when it says mercy there was great and grace was free. 
To us it was free, but it came at an awesome cost, didn't it? An awesome price. The life of God's only begotten Son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is love. This is love. 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent. Early, He sent forth. Well, here, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world. Why? Well, it says that we might live through Him. That's why He came. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son, and here it is again, to be the propitiation for our sins. That's why he came. That's the gospel message. That's the good news. Through the blood of Christ, his sacrifice for sin upon the cross, Jesus became our propitiation, our payment, our ransom for sin. Through Christ, we have been reconciled, brought into a right relationship, justified by God. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. (laughs) I already talked about that, child of God. To whom was our sins and trespasses imputed? To Christ. And what was given and imputed to us? Righteousness. Righteousness. Now verse 20. Now then, Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he, God, made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God made Jesus the sinless one to be sin, to place upon him our sin, that we might become righteous in him, made right, justified by his blood. Hebrews 9, verse 11 and 12. But Christ came. As high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. He entered the most holy place. Through the veil, you know, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from everybody else, the place where God would manifest himself to his people back in that day. And Christ entered through the veil. What happened when he went through that veil? What happened? It was torn from top to bottom. He entered through the veil into the Holy of Holies. And as Christ, what did the priest do? What did the high priest do when he would go into that Holy of Holies? What would he take with him? The blood of an unblemished, unblemished, perfect lamb. And what would he do with that blood? He would pour it upon the mercy seat as an offering for sin. But what did Christ do? 
he, he, he entered the veil and he went into the Holy of Holies and he, and he poured out his own blood upon the mercy seat. A once and forever sacrifice for sins, never for this to have to happen again. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. All, all that we might be justified. (laughs) Isaiah 53. Let's read 4 through 7 and then verse 10. 4 through 7. Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, has laid on Christ, his only begotten son, you see, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. To crush him. What an amazing statement. It, it, it pleased the Lord that his son would go to the cross in obedience to him. And it pleased the Lord to, to crush him. He, he, was put, he has put him to grief that you make his, when you make his soul an offering for sin. So that's why he came to be an offering for sin. Let, let's go to 1 Peter 1, uh, 2, 1 Peter 2, 23 and 24. 1 Peter 2, 23 and 24, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, on the cross. Do we get the depths of that? Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Healed of our condition of sin. Healed that we might come before the presence of God holy, blameless, and above reproach, having been called, having been justified, having been saved by grace through faith. So may we never forget what Christ has done for us. May we be reminded. that That's why I love that we, we do this here at AVCC once a month, that we would have this reminder that would Make us be reminded of what Christ has done on our behalf in participation of the Lord's Supper. Let's read 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You see, Jesus, in the upper room, with his disciples, that that last meal with his disciple, the Passover meal. And from the table, he took two of the elements of the Passover meal. Each had a significance to why it was there. And he reached and he, he first, he took the bread. And in John 6, verse 35, it says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. In John 6, we go down a little bit farther, verses 50 and 51. For this is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, meaning that he is going to go to the cross and give himself upon the cross, which I shall give for the life of the world. Of the cup that he took up, he talked of the new covenant in my blood in Matthew 26, 28. For this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. In Ephesians 1, verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So Jesus said to take the bread, take the cup, and remember him. Remember what he has done, child of God, on our behalf. Let us pray. Again, Father, we give thanks for such a great salvation. We give thanks that you sent your only begotten Son, that he might go to the cross, that he might do as as we have read this morning, that the shedding of his blood, that that he, he broke through the veil and poured out his blood that we might have life. So thank you, Father, that you have provided a way a means through the blood of Christ that we might stand righteous and justified before you. Thank you for a holy calling that one day you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And Father, now as as we would come and, and pass by the communion table, I pray that you would bless, uh, bless the bread that is before us, 
that, Father, as we would take it up, that we might remember the words that Jesus said there in that upper room, that we might remember that his, he went to the cross, that his body was placed upon the cross. And, Father, as, as we take the, the little cup of juice, I, I pray that you would bless it and, and that you would help it, that it might be a reminder to us of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we give thanks again for such a great salvation. Father, we give thanks for your glorious calling. And Father, should there be someone here or, or, or listening who is yet lost, I, I pray that by a, a miracle of mercy, Father, you would call to them, that, that you would breathe spiritual life into them, that they might be awakened to newness of life and that they might see that they are a sinner, that they might be reminded of, of hearing your gospel truth, that, Father, as you would call to them, that, that you would cause them to fall before you, being justified by you, granting them faith that they might believe, that granting them forgiveness, Father, as they would confess not only their sin, but confess that Jesus is Lord. So, Father, help us all that we might remember Christ, remember what he has done, and give thanks. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.